Welcome to the Rescue Church Podcast. This is Pastor Sarah Levecki, and this is the recording of our most recent Sunday sermon. We hope you enjoy. Sometimes to effectively communicate, you have to tell people what you're not saying. <laughs> so this is, just to be very, very clear, this is not about um, wokeness. This is not about politically correctness. This is not about jumping on a bandwagon so that people are like, oh, he's a good white person. Because I don't care about that. People are like, what type of white person are you? I'm a type of white person that never took my chain in the hood type of white person. To be honest with you, if I, if I can just say it like that. But, however, here's the however, we also have to be sensitive to the stories and to the realities of other people. You see, this is very important. So, the temptation is to move in one direction and to be woke and to take up a victim mentality and to think everything is this, everything is prejudice, everyone hates you, everyone's against you. That's not accurate. However, there are histories and there are things that have happened and are happening that are evil and wrong. And I'm going to let Sister Lovecki share. Come here for a second, briefly. Share briefly what happened at school. The Trump thing. The kids. The prejudiced kids, Sarah, at school, my love. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I mean. <laughs> quickly, just stand okay. by me and quickly, quickly. Okay. What happened? So that so. people can understand. So very recently at my high school, there was an instance in like, talk about like a little couple weeks ago, um, where there's a few boys that started, I guess they had a sound effect on their phone that sounded like a whip and pretending to whip each other and call each other nasty words, yeah. very derogatory as like N-word. What color were they? White. Okay. Um, and then they start, they were directing some of their comments toward a table of black girls and then started throwing stuff at them. So, and then supposedly like one girl made a comment like, oh, this was the same got kid that was riding around a bike with a Trump flag on the back of, like, back of his bike last year or a couple years ago. Um, so unfortunately there's a, yes, so that's it. Yes. So the school had to address the whole thing and yeah. all the fun stuff. So. So, there's, so this is important. I want you to understand something. Not every white person that likes Trump is racist. Right? We know that. I voted for Trump. I don't apologize for that. I don't really care who feels good about that or not. I'm just letting, letting you understand that these are the realities in which we face. Two weeks ago, there was this big black kid who was beating on a white girl on a school bus. And then they put in the news a picture of something that wasn't depicting the real story in the news. So on both sides of this situation, you have a real situation, and we have to acknowledge it. Now, people go, oh, I don't talk politics, I don't talk this, I don't talk that. But what that means is you're not talking reality, because reality is that there are real situations happening, and as Christians, we have to learn how to field the ball and not pretend like the ball is not there. People say stuff like, oh, I'm colorblind. That doesn't exist. That's, that's not real. If I walk into your house, your, your rooms, they match. You're not colorblind. 
So you can't say stuff like that. We have to actually look at things for what they really are and be able to move with biblical insight and wisdom, with compassion, with discernment. This is important. Brett and Mary right now are in the process of adopting kids from Burundi. Burundi is the poorest country on the face of the earth. They're going from there to Upper Burden County. There's going to be a radical, radical shift in their life. Brett and Mary are going to experience things that are going to make Brett want to tie someone up and beat them. And, and this is the reality. This is, what, this is what's ahead of them. So they are going to have to have self-control and learn how to manage their emotions and learn because this is a serious thing. Because the devil will try to use things to get you out of character, to, act, to get you acting like an animal. And you have to learn how to feel the ball with wisdom, with strength, with authority, but not get outside of you know, outside of that. So I'm saying, so the things that I'm saying to us today, they affect our community personally and intimately. So it's not just something out there, but it's something in here. So what I'm going to endeavor to do today is I'm going to endeavor to give us kind of like a biblical understanding of that we come from one blood, Acts 17. We, we are, we are, whether we acknowledge it or not, we are one people. And so that's, that's another whole thing. But I want to show you just a few things because this is really, really important. I will give everyone my notes if you want it. You don't have to um, take pictures of it. And um, yeah, so here we go. And he has, this is Paul the Apostle when he's preaching at the Areopagus to, to the Greeks. He's at a, a very multicultural place. He's at a place where worlds collide, similar to an urban metropolis today. And he's preaching and he's, he, the philosophers of Paul's day say that Paul the Apostle rescued philosophy and that he laid the foundation to what would later become Christian philosophy. So when you say, I don't think about why you do things, then you better start thinking about why you do things. And, and if you want to be successful in life in reality, you better really think about why you do what you do and don't do anything by accident because God doesn't. So what Paul is saying is not by accident, it's all thought through by the Spirit. And he, was made, and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. And he has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. This is a very important because what you have in here is you have the doctrine of national and nations sovereignty. In a globalist world, that's a big problem. I can name to you a hundred reasons why it's a problem, but national sovereignty is also an expression of personal autonomy. It is an important idea. In the beginning, God formed man from the dust of the earth. Earth and dust is not white. I don't know if you remember Mecca. Remember Mecca the clothing when we were kids? Mecca? Well, they, they had on their, on their shirts the cradle of civilization. You remember that? You remember that, that thing? Because that's, that's where humans, like, like when, you, when you follow the, the, the Garden of Eden... And all that, you will find the, the Fertile Crescent, which is such a very fertile and rich area of the earth. This is where mankind was created from. There's rivers, there's boundaries. In all in Genesis, God shows where humans, where he formed man 
from the dust of the earth. This is a very important thing. Now, scientifically speaking, from brown, you can get white. From white, you cannot get brown. We, we will be in Haiti, and we'll be walking around, and you will see someone who is albino. And they are whiter than Zoe. I'm talking about milk white, and they came from two black parents, like midnight black. And, and, and yet, from that, you can get white, but from white, you cannot get black. So scientifically, the first man that God created from the dust, Adam, man of the red earth, the first man that God created was brown, probably a dark brown. This is, this is historically accurate. See, we're going to have to address some things today because this is very important. Now, the Bible turned white during the Renaissance because the whites controlled the arch, which was like the media of their day. What do I mean by that? I mean, if you go to the Sistine Chapel, we've been there. They said no filming in there. I was walking around filming, you know, I was like, and, uh, and so anyway, and so we went there and uh, it's poor Sarah, you know, and, and so, you know, I'm like, have you ever got thrown out of the Sistine Chapel? No, not yet. But so, so we, w we went there and, and, and you look and it's like everybody's white. And you go, wow, that's amazing. And then you look and you go, God is white. Wow. That's, that's really amazing. To create a God in my own image, isn't that beautiful? You know, I've been to a black church in Perth Amboy. Jesus hanging on a cross with a fro. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm so I'm not, you go to You go to a little Chinese church. Jesus is five foot one. He looks like the delivery guy. He's like 93 pounds. I handle dumbbells bigger than that guy. What do we do? We create a God in our own image. It's called idolatry. That's not good. See? <laughs> so they painted Christianity white, which isn't historically accurate. That's a problem. Here's why it's a problem. Because when you look at what some white people did over the course of history, it makes black people feel like, yo, I don't want that. That's not what I'm, I, didn't, I don't want that, but that is not Christianity. So this is very important. So in, 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 in an understanding, you have Hebrew Israelites that emerge. You have uh, the nation of Islam. You have just black people that just hate white people. Because of the history and the reality of what happened. This is why some people do not resonate with make America great again. Well, they go, great for who? You genocided Indians, natives, and, and then you, you built a nation, a, a good part of your nation's infrastructure was built on slavery. So when we say make America great again, what does that mean? Did you, are you talking about pre-Reagan, good economy, strong America? Okay, cool, maybe, fine, I can handle that. But America has not always been great. Like it wasn't great to, to uh, black men who fought in World War II. And when they came home, they couldn't get a GI Bill to get a house. So what does that create? That creates systemic poverty. What did God do to prevent systemic poverty? He created the year of Jubilee so that every 50 years... Every debt would be canceled so that poverty could not go from generation to generation on God's people. 
I'm not trying to have us be angry at white people or hate white people or, or elevate black people because that, that's not what this is about. We are equal in the eyes of God. In God's eyes, we're equal. But in reality, there's not equality. Okay? And so what I want to do for us as Christians, because we are called to love all people. I cannot love you if I'm afraid of you. That's one thing. You cannot love people you're afraid of. You cannot minister to people you're afraid of. You cannot minister and love on people that you're suspicious of. You cannot love people that you have a chip on your shoulder towards. So whether we're looking at this the, the, from through black eyes or through white eyes, we, don't, we, don't, we want to look at it through Christ's eyes, but be able to see the whole situation so that we could speak effectively in our generation and not be ignorant. Because Christians specialize in ignorance, a lack of self-awareness, and of just, just plain a lack of understanding as it relates to history. And this is not acceptable, so we need the heart of God and the wisdom of God in this matter. So they painted Christianity white, which isn't historically accurate. Now, the heart of God has always been for all of the families of the earth. Everything goes back to Genesis 12, 1 through 3, where God was looking for a man to feel him, to be his friend, and a man that he could bless, and a man through blessing and through an intimate relationship with this man that God could bless all of the families of the earth through his seed. God is always looking for an instrument in which he can bless people through. Now God could rain money out of heaven. God could rain bread out of heaven. He, he, he rained bread out of heaven for millions of people. That's always the second choice. The first choice is God always finds an instrument in which he blesses people through. So that's important. Now, as we continue, God starts at the bottom. Now, we like the top. <laughs> is that okay? Have you ever heard, uh, I don't know if you heard this song, but Maybe I shouldn't say this, but there's a Donda album, and the locks is on it. He's on a Christian album with Kanye West, and he goes, I'm from the bottom, Lord knows it's better on top. So we like the top. Yesterday, I went into a fine store, and while I was waiting to pay for my sneakers, they came and brought me a bottle of Pellegrino. Very good for the feelings. Very good for the feelings. Class A for the feelings. We like the top. Guess where God starts? Bottom. <laughs> Joseph was sold into slavery by the white man. Nope. <laughs> Sorry. Here we go. Here we go. It's going to get vicious today. Don't worry. Everyone. Can I tell you no one's safe here? No ideas are safe. Everyone is, we're going to open up fire on everyone. Remember Grand Theft Auto when you were a kid? You used to smoke weed and terrorize everyone in Grand Theft Auto? Everyone's getting it today, bro. The flamethrowers coming out, everything. You guys act like you didn't do that. Come on, don't lie to me. Don't lie to me. All right. Joseph was sold into slavery by his own brothers. His jealous brothers. There's a lesson. You never tell your dreams to half-brothers. Woo! 
Okay. Moses was the child of slaves and he stuttered. <laughs> He didn't, he didn't have language for what God wanted to do. He needed an assistant. He needed an assistant. Are, are, are you getting? Are you tracking with me? This guy can't even speak correctly. God starts at the bottom. Child of slaves. David's own father didn't even bring him inside when Samuel the prophet came to anoint the next king. His own Father couldn't see him. I'm not really feeling seen today. His own dad couldn't see him. Guess who saw him? The Lord. Why? Because the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth seeking a heart that is perfect or friendly toward God. God is looking for someone who's looking for God. Think about that. Solomon, God said, I will take your dysfunction and your crazy Jerry Springer story and I will make you the next king. It's like the next king came straight from the trailer parks, came straight from the projects. This guy cheated on his wives... <laughs> Multiple, it wasn't, it wasn't enough to have wives, you know. I got to take someone else's wife. Like, I mean, it's just never enough. His daddy Solomon later says that the eyes of man are never satisfied. And so this guy commits adultery, has the husband killed, bro. That's real ghetto. That baby dies. I don't know if you saw that. Sometimes you, you, sometimes you get the consequence, you know, you sow death, you know, sometimes you reap that. And uh, so anyway, the baby dies, and then he doesn't, Solomon, David's like, let's try that again. I mean, he's a really interesting character. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, do you get that? Like, he goes, let's try that again. He tries that again. He gets her pregnant. Solomon comes forth. God says, that's all right. I'll take your brokenness and I'll anoint him king. <laughs> wild situation. Daniel. Daniel was a castrated boy. You know what that means? Uh, Jesus. What about Jesus? Born in a manger, his, his crib was a feeding trough where unclean animals ate from. This is, I, I can go through the Bible and do more of this, but I want to establish to you that God has a habit of starting on the bottom. Really interesting. Some of us come from the bottom. Moses, watch this. Watch how God is going to address something. In uh, Numbers 12, this is starting in verse 1. I'm going to pass through this quickly. Then Miriam uh, and Aaron spoke against Moses because he had an Ethiopian woman who he married. She black. And he didn't like that. They didn't like that. He married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? So now their prejudiceness 
is causing them to question God's appointed authority. See, if you, if you don't check your preference, it will rob you. We all have preference. Preference is not prejudice. But when they start speaking against who God has called because of their, because of their own issues, that's a problem. That's a big problem. Has God only spoken through Moses? Has he indeed not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now Moses was a very humble man, more than all who were on the face of the earth. That's Moses talking about himself. <laughs> it made the book, so it must be true. That's just amazing. You can actually have an accurate perception of yourself, and just because you have a big following doesn't mean someone's proud. So don't assume that just because someone has a big following that they think that they're big, and just because someone has a little following they think that they're small. That, that's not how you measure things. You, you have, it's, a, it's a hard issue. So anyway, let's continue here. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come out, you three, so, uh, to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out. Then the Lord came down in a pillar uh, cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle, and called Aaron and Miriam, and they went forward, and he said, Hear now my words, is there a prophet among you? I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision, I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house, and I speak with him face to face. That's different. I speak with him uh, even plainly and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why, when they were not afraid, do you speak evil against my servant Moses? So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. And when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous as white as snow. Look at God. Oh, what's up? You don't like black people? Oh, that's all right. You turn crusty and white. Oh, you like idols? Oh, you're good. No, oh, you're good. You like idols? You're good. Go ahead and move to Babylon for 490 years. Go ahead. You're good. You like idols? All right. Oh, you don't like black people? You don't like that she's Ethiopian? Okay, you can become crusty and white and leprous. God, look at God. Look at God. <laughs> then uh, Aaron turned toward Miriam, and there she was as a leper. See, this is really... So Aaron said to Moses, Oh, my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us. <laughs> now that now you see how they talk different? Now, sweet? When you need something, everyone's sweet. So Aaron said to Moses, Oh, my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us in which we have done foolishly and in which we have sinned. You know what Aaron is saying? Uh, Moses, uh, I don't want leprosy. <laughs> Please do not let her be as one dead whose flesh is half consumed when he comes out of the mother's womb, like a stillborn baby. So Moses cried to the Lord, saying, Please heal her, O God, I pray. This is exactly what leadership is. You pray for people who curse you. <laughs> you know why I can pray for people that curse me? Because they don't live inside of me, and I don't care what they think. I care what God thinks. And God says, if you can bless your enemies, you can be free. So I'm going to stay free. I don't know about you. I've been free and I've not been free. 
<laughs> and free is better. Free is better, yeah. I know it's not to be free. So, so I choose free. Please heal her, O God, I pray. Then, Mo then the Lord said to Moses, If her father had put spit in her face, would she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp seven days, and afterwards she may be received again. So Miriam was shut out of the camp seven days, and the people did not journey till Miriam was brought back again, and afterward the people moved. I'll just leave it there. This is very important because she was shut outside of the camp as someone who is unclean. See, leprosy is unclean. But what leprosy is to the physical body is what prejudice is to the soul. The reason I refer to it as prejudice and not racism is because racism is a false narrative that doesn't exist because we are one human race. There's different colors, there's different ethnicities, there's different languages, there's different tribes, but there is only one human race. So the notion of racism is itself racist because that was what people used the U.S. Constitution to say that black people were three-fifths of a person. And then they used scripture, they misused Genesis, the ninth chapter, to oppress black people and to validate slavery. But what slavery is really rooted in, and this is why we can't find healing in America, is not color, it's rooted in greed. This is why you go to church conferences, a black guy washes a white guy's feet, a white guy washes a black guy's feet, they hug, they cry, they blow the chauffeur, they act weird, they put it on picture, but nobody can get free because the issue is greed. It's not black or white. That's the real issue. That, 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 that is the, the, the thing that holds this thing hostage. We go, oh, I'm sorry, I'm white. You know, and it's like, I'm not going to apologize to you because I'm white. And I don't feel bad for you because you're black, but here's a situation that happened historically. Let's address it accurately. Let's repent of anything that we did to participate with it, and let's move forward with love and understanding. We have, in our generation, we are going to get victory over this foul spirit. We're going to break these things back. It will not have any authority in our church. No authority. Everyone is welcome here. So, now, prejudice is paralyzing. What do I mean? They couldn't move until this was dealt with. There are some things that are in your life that you can't move until you deal with it. How do I know? I've been there. I'm not pointing at you. I'm telling you, you are stuck until you deal with this one thing. Are you with me? So now... Millions of people, there's like almost 3 million people can't move because this one lady has got an issue in her mind and in her mouth that manifested in the physical. This is a problem. You cannot go forward until again you deal with it. This shows you how does God feel about prejudice. He hates it. He doesn't tolerate it. Immediately, he addresses it. Immediately. Now, there are, there are things in the Bible where God immediately, I'm going to preach a whole sermon on this one day. It will scare the hell out of everyone. Where God immediately releases judgment. Immediately. Immediately. Swift. And if you're a parent, you know that there are times when you immediately have to deal with that child and what that child is doing because if it's not, it'll be harmful to that child and other children if you don't deal with it immediately. 
And it's not loving to overlook it. You better deal with it right now. And not in anger with discipline or else you're going to have a ma major problem on your hands. Now, I want to talk to you about the African contribution to Israel as a nation. Cush is Africa. Some believe it to be Ethiopia, others Sudan, but they agree on this specific region. This is very important. The curse of Ham is not a curse on all black people. It was a curse on Canaan, who will be a slave to his brothers, not to white people. Not to white people, his brothers. That's a whole different thing. That's, a, that's another, this is another, there's like, there's layers to this. Like, so, so white people during the 1860s, is that correct? When was that? Did you say the 1860s? During around the 1860s in America, Baptist leaders, national leaders were using and abusing, Southern Baptist leaders were abusing Genesis 9 and they were using scripture incorrectly. To oppress black people. That's evil. That is not Christian. It is not New Testament. It is not kingdom. It's evil and it's wrong. And it needs to be repented of. Even to name the Southern Baptist Convention the Southern Baptist. That word Southern has implications of it that are deeper than, than a Mason-Dixon line. So they should really... Change that up, but they're not asking my opinion. But if they invite me to their conference, I will go and rebuke them. <laughs> and I wash their feet, and you know. But I'm not apologizing for being white. So anyway, uh, Ephraim and Manasseh. Who are they? Ephraim and Manasseh. They are sons of Joseph. They came from his Egyptian wife. So even the twelve tribes of Israel. Two of them are half African. Why did those guys become tribes? Because one of the brothers forfeited his birthright. So if you want to just disqualify yourself, you can. <laughs> it's like, that's not what God wants, but if, you, if you're really hell-bent on doing that, God will replace me or God will replace you. You get replaced. God is not going to be stopped. You'll get replaced. Very simple. These guys got in. Look at that. <laughs> it's like, anyway, uh, Israel's first king, Saul, he was from the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin is Cush. Cush is Africa. This is very important. This is biblical. The African contribution to Christ and the kingdom expansion. You remember the man who helped Jesus carry his cross when he was beaten to a point where he physically couldn't even carry his own cross that he was going to get on and die? Well, the man who carried that cross, Simon of Cyrene, he had two sons. One of them was Rufus. One of them became a part of Paul's apostolic ministry. Well, that guy was from Libya, Africa. This is all. I'm telling you this. Why am I telling you this? It's very important. The writer of the Gospel of Mark was an African bishop from Libya, Africa. He was the founding bishop of the church in Alexandria, Egypt, which is Africa. The gospel went to Ethiopia before it went to Rome. Many times people say, Peter took the gospel to the Gentiles. That's true. His apostleship initiated it. But before that, God did it through Philip the evangelist. Now, here's the thing. So that means the gospel went to a rich black guy. 
He was the minister of finance for the country or for the nation of Ethiopia. He was on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem because he was converted to Second Temple Judaism. And when he read the Hebrew scriptures, something in his heart came alive. He didn't understand what he was reading. So Philip shows up and goes, ah, Isaiah 53, that's Jesus. And then he gets baptized. He baptizes him. And then Philip gets translated into another place. The same thing when Jesus opened the scriptures to his disciples. What happens? He gets taken to another place because the scriptures being open is supernatural. It will take you somewhere you can't go on your own. On. That's very important principle. Very important. Because you can read the Bible like the Jews can quote the whole Bible. There's a spirit of blindness on them. And I don't mean all of them. I just mean the ones that Jesus was talking about in his own day. Because here's the Messiah before you and they can't see him. I call that a spirit of blindness. I'm not saying all Jewish people are blind. I'm not saying anything like that. There are people that believe in Jesus as the Messiah. You know, and that's beautiful. I'm a Messianic New Jerseyan. <laughs> anyway. All right, I'm going to leave that alone. So Paul the Apostle was from the tribe of Benjamin. Why would Paul the Apostle mention that? He said, I'm from the stock of Israel, from the tribe of Benjamin, a Pharisee of Pharisees, zeal. I'm the guy. He, he was really the guy. And he didn't mind telling you that either. And uh, so anyway, Paul, Paul was in Rome. Who remembers that? Come on. Remember? Wait, wait, hold on. Before that. Paul, everybody, thank you, sir. <laughs> we got a tremendous... You know what? I'm telling you, I got great support here. So, so now Paul was beaten and he was imprisoned unlawfully. Remember that? And then what does he say to them? He says, oh, I'm a Roman citizen. And they go, ooh, they get nervous. And he says, oh, by the way, I was born free, y'all. <laughs> like, uh, which means that he didn't pay for his freedom. He was born free. Listen to that. What is he saying? Here's what, here's what, here's what I, I can deduct, perhaps. They probably did not perceive him to be a Roman citizen because his skin was darker than most Roman citizens. How do I know that? Well, there's several things we know. One, Paul traveled a lot. And in the ancient world, people who traveled had access to money. Because you don't move around without money. Somebody's got to have money, you know. You, you, it's not free. That's one. And two, guess what happens when you, when you travel? Guess what are you out in? You are out in the sun. See how that works? So in addition to his darkness, he was probably even darker. Which probably caused them to misread if he was a citizen of Rome or not. Just maybe. I'm just giving you just some things to think about. You don't have to, this is not a doctrine. You don't have to believe it. But I'm just giving you a historical perspective of the reality. He was probably beaten because he was darker than people. Uh, he, he was probably darker than we, we would think. Okay. Now, St. Augustine, 3rd century, he wrote City of God. He is the one that brought forth the doctrine of what is called a just war which is very interesting. Uh, anyway, I'll leave that alone as well. Uh, but he wrote the famous book, City of God. 
When you look at pictures of him, he looked white. Can I tell you something? He's not white. He was never white, nor will he be white. <laughs> it's like, you're like, why does this matter? Because it's not accurate historically. That's why it matters. That's why it matters. Augustine, uh, he was a theologian uh, and a philosopher. Uh, he was of Berber origin. I'm going to give you a free, a free nugget. The Berbers are, they're from Morocco. They're, they're from, they are nomadic people. This is really something fascinating about the Berber people. The Berber people have never fully been conquered because people didn't know their language. That's another free one. I'm not going to unwrap that one for you. But that, that's something. So he was actually uh, a bishop. He was the founding bishop, actually, of the, of, of the whole situation in a city in Algeria. Annaba, uh, Algeria, today. So, so th now, why am I taking time to, to say this? Because, as I told you before, during the Renaissance, Christianity was whitewashed. And, and whoever controls the media tells the story. And that's normal in every generation. Whoever has the money makes the rules. We, the, 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 the lender is a servant. Uh, the, the, the borrower, rather, is a servant to the lender. It don't matter what color your skin is. <laughs> it's like, this is the reality. Like, wh whoever has the money makes the rules. Whoever calls the meeting determines the dress code. So this, this is how, how it works. This is, this is the reality of, of the situation. Now, I have to say this to us because we are living in a, in, in a culture that is hostile toward facts. It wants to reinvent its own facts that are not facts, they're based on feelings. How do I know this? I caught Forbes doing it the other day. Forbes said that Syrian earthquake that just happened in Turkey and Syria was the greatest tragedy of our day. I lived through the greatest tragedy of our day. No, it wasn't. There was more dead people in the city I was in than in that whole situation. And that's a bad situation. And I'm not minimizing 20,000 people dying because they're people creating the image and likeness of God and their life matters. Right? But that's not, that's not accurate. Now, the fact checkers didn't bother them. They're harassing me. It's crazy. So I'm just, I'm, I'm sharing this because this is, this is important for us to understand. Now, let's talk about the prejudiced prophet. <laughs> oh, you think God can't use someone who's messed up? Jonah. I'm going to give you Jonah's. What a, what a disaster. You know, God, do you know that God knows how crazy we are? And God does not choose us based on us. God chooses us based on him. God knew God could have chose Amos or someone that would have participated with him better. God chose Jonah, who was a man who was really not, not really... Good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just read you. This, this, this is like, let me just read you just like a verse or two. This is verse one. 
Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amita, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. <laughs> what? This guy is like, it's like, it's like a, Jonah's like a little kid. He's like a little baby. You tell a little kid something, he will do the opposite and look at you. Like my little guy, he doesn't care. That guy, Abel, he doesn't care. He'll look you dead in the face and be like, what's good? Like, he doesn't care. He's going to do whatever he wants to do. And then he will, he, they would, the little guys too, they will be willing to face the consequences. Because what they want to do in their mind is more important than what you say. That's like Jonah. Jonah's like, he's like a 40-year-old baby. God says, go over here. I want to save these people. He runs. The, the, this is a guy that makes the Bible? This guy is a disaster. He's prejudiced. He doesn't like the Ninevites. He wants God to judge them. God wants to save them. That's like religion. Religion always wants God to judge who God wants to save. We're going to have to pastor a whole bunch of crazy people. Get ready. Over the next 10 years, people are going to destroy their life, and we're going to have to pastor them. Mutilated people, all types of people. people we're going to have to, probably, yeah. Anyway, so now this is really something. When you run from the assignment, you're running from the presence. Why? Because the presence of the Lord is on the assignment. The presence of the Lord is not just on a person. The presence of the Lord and the favor of the Lord is on an assignment. People are not just sending me things all the time because I'm, I, they like me. In fact, I may not be that likable, especially if I told you what I really think. You may really not like me. The favor of God will come upon my life because of the yes and God doesn't care how anyone feels about it. I want to tell you that. He knows. He'll tell you. We, we walk in favor. Sarah, do you know what happened the other day to Sarah? Now Sarah's even getting blessed because she's not play-hating on me. Tina knows she got free shoes in the mail too. That's why she's happy. Look at that smile. You start getting free stuff, you'll be happy too. Sarah buys a bookshelf... Uh, not a bookshelf, some sort of shelf for clothes because my clothes are everywhere. All my stuff, it's like they live in my storage unit. And uh, so, you know, this is, so she wants to buy these shelves. This is real talk too, this is true. So she buys these shelves and they tell her, oh, it's not coming. We can't come, it's gone, it's not here. They refund her. So we go to Ikea, she buys another shelf. I take a nap. By the time I wake up from taking a nap, the shelf is together. This is the type of woman she is. And, uh, T, you, know, T, you know, DK and I are blessed. Both of those women were saying, we'll take you to the airport. We'll take, they had to, who's going to take me? Instead of getting an Uber. See. <sighs> yep. Anyway. So, they refunded her money back. And I, I'm, I'm looking, like, I'm always outside my house like the FBI is coming. <laughs> my dad used to do that, too. He's always looking out the window and stuff like that. I'm always looking for a package. I'm looking, I'm looking outside, you know. 
And uh, so I walk outside, and there's this humongous box outside. I say, what is this? What, what is this? Oh, the shelf came. The shelf came. The shelf came from a company she didn't even order it from that they said was out of stock. So she contacts them and goes, um, you sent us this thing. They go, thank you for being honest. You can keep it. See? Because that matters to her. It matters to God. When what God wants to do matters to you, God says, no problem. I'll bless you. I'll take care of you. I'll show people that I'm, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> me and you are like together. And, and you know what people understand? People understand real testimony. They don't understand religious crap. How I felt great on church on Sunday, and then I went home and lived defeated all week. That's amazing. They see, man, God is blessing you. Look at you, man. Woo, you look good. You're happy. They see the reality, not the talking. So anyway, Jonah's crazy self runs from the presence of God, and then they throw him overboard. They're going, because these are all superstitious people. They're like, yo, what's the deal with this, this guy? Who, who's on our boat? Some of y'all, listen to me, some of you need to throw someone out of your boat because you're in a storm because you got the wrong people in your boat. Yep, get rid of every Jonah in your life. Throw him right over. Because his craziness brought something to them. That's why, you listen, you got to learn how to shake things and people loose. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm, I'm trying to help you. I'm, I say that because I love you. So they throw this crazy, prejudiced <laughs> prophet. This is so wild. Look at it. The Bible is, is amazing. I mean, they throw this prejudiced prophet. <laughs> overboard, then a fish swallows him. You're saying, a fish? This is crazy. He gets spit up on the shore. Guess what the people on the shore worship? Dagon, the fish god. So God took into the equation Jonah's craziness and said, that's all right, I'm sovereign, and although you didn't sign up to be spit out of a fish, I, for my own purposes, will do what I want to do. How you like them apples? And then Jesus likes the story so much. You know the guy that Jonah was praying to? You know, God? Well, Jesus is God. Then Jesus interprets Jonah's story as, yep, I'm going to be in the belly of the earth for three days just like Jonah. And then Jesus uses Jonah to reveal the three days that he's going to spend in the grave. You can see that in Matthew 12, uh, 40, and Luke eleven thirty. 30. Now, Jonah that has a prayer meeting in a fish. So, God said, he spits him up. He goes to Nineveh. He cries out against Nineveh. God uses a prejudiced guy that has no love and no compassion to save a whole entire city of people. God said it was a great city. Jonah hated them. <laughs> then, it's classic, then Jonah is upset with God 
He's mad at God for saving these people. He's out of, he, he, I think he needs medicine. I don't think everyone needs medicine. I think this guy really needs something. This guy is, is really, he, he, I don't know. He needs counseling. So, something's wrong with this guy. This guy is not attuned to what's happening. You got an incredible story, a testimony, a whole city. You got revival. Revival! You got revival! And he's upset. He's upset. Mad. Hate these. He wants God to judge those people. So then God says, that's all right. Jonah, you know what? You're having a rough time. God creates a little plant for little Jonah. Poor little Jonah. And uh, Jonah goes to sleep under the plant. Then the plant dies. You know the story? God is messing with Jonah. For some of you that think that God won't mess with people, I don't know. I don't know which God you're talking about. Then the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? This is, so Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side. All right. Let, let's, let's continue. I, I'm going to, verse 8. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind <laughs> and the sun beat on Jonah's head, so he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself. You know that Jonah wanted to die two times during this whole thing? Does this seem like a stable person? I wouldn't even make Jonah a deacon. I mean, this guy, he can't even, he can't even pass out bread here. This, this guy is a tremendous disaster. Then God said, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? He's always angry. And he said, is it right for me to be angry even to death? He, he tells God, I can be angry and I want to die. But the Lord said, you have pity on the plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And I should not pity Nineveh, that great city in which more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern, watch this, between right hand, their right hand and their left, and much livestock. God looks at a great big city and says these people cannot discern between their right and their left hand. This is indicative of the time and the culture we live in today. You're asking a Supreme Court justice, what is a woman? She can't even tell you what a woman is. This is the culture. This is, a, this is not a college student that hates her dad. You know, a white girl that paints her hair blue and hates everyone. This is a Supreme Court justice who could not tell you what a woman is. I don't know if you're, if you're catching this situation. I mean, this is, this is really, we are living in the midst of a crooked, wicked, and perverse generation where people do not know their right hand from their left, yet God, yet God has compassion. And we should too. And, and Jonah cares more about a plant than people. We live in a culture that is more concerned with the earth than the peoples of the earth. They want to abort babies so that the environment can be better. We want to go green while they rape Africa and Afghanistan of the raw earth minerals that they're going to make all those batteries with. 
People have lost their minds. And then they feel good about themselves because they went green. And I am moral and I am righteous and I am upright. No, you are delusional, actually. And I love you enough to tell you. Now, the cross is something that slays, slays cultural enmity. Now, remember this. In the temple, there was a wall of separation that did not let women and Gentiles in. But that was broken down in Jesus' own body and then the temple. Because it actually came down. It's like, anyway, uh, Ephesians 2, 11 through 18. I'm going to read this. We're wrapping up. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, were called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. There is no cultural enmity. We are created in the image of God. The cross of Jesus slays cultural enmity. We love all people. It doesn't matter their economics. It doesn't matter their ethnicity. It doesn't matter their color. It doesn't matter their religion. We are a people who love all people, even if we don't agree with them, even if they're crazy, even if they hate themselves. We still love them. It's like, it's like, you know, and, and the whole transgender spirit, like, I hate, I hate who I am, and you have to love who I'm not. No, I love you. <laughs> and that's not good for you. <laughs> you know, anyway, just want to tell you we love you. So prejudice is rooted in pride or fear. Pride and fear are both anti-Christ. Anti-Christ. They're against Christ. Okay, we're almost done. This is Lebecki's here. She's going to be. I'm nervous now. Preference is not the same as prejudice. That's, you have to understand that. That's important. All right. Now, because God is not a respecter of persons, his children should not be prejudiced because he is not. That's very important. Now, God starts at the perceived bottom. Everybody hates white people now. Did you notice that? White people are not trending. Can I tell you that? Are you, are you like, you, you got that. You know, it's like, even Kanye West said, a straight white guy can't say anything. But I'm a straight white guy, and I'll say everything, and I don't really care how people feel about it. Because it's true. And, you cannot say we love people if we're not willing to be honest about what is true. That's not love. So in 1906, in America, God starts at the bottom with William Seymour, who is a one-eyed black guy. This is, this is he is the, the child of freed slaves. 
This guy is from the bottom, from the perceived bottom. And that's where God chose to pour out his spirit. And from that place in 1906 in Azusa Street, Los Angeles, the gospel went to the nations from that place. Because God said, oh, you don't like black people? Oh, that's all right. I'm going to make you go to the hood to have to receive from what I'm doing. How do you like them apples? God always starts at the bottom. It's very interesting. That's why God is showing up to uh, a college of white people. Oh, my God. How can he do that? Well, they're on the bottom now, so he's starting at the bottom. They're bad. How, why are they on the bottom? Oh, straight white people that want to use their, their education and their future for Jesus? Disgusting. The bottom. Ah. Straight people, white. Ah. God says, okay, great. That's the bottom for you? I'll start there. Oh, L.A., the, the hood, you don't like the blacks? All right, I'll start there. Whoever you don't like, that's where God's starting with. <laughs> okay. All right. Anyway. Azusa Street Revival, you should check it out. It is a historic revival that affected the whole world. I mean, let, let me just say one thing. When, when God pours out his spirit on all flesh, when God is moving, things move. This week, things are going to move. Things are going to move because God is moving. When we move with God, things move. Now, the enemy comes. What does he want to do? He wants to do the impair movement. He wants to stop momentum, so he tries to, you know, and that's what happens. People get some momentum in their spiritual life. He tries to stop it. You're getting some momentum in your economic life. He tries to stop it. You're getting some, some breakthrough in your relationship. You know, after a long time, finally you're starting to learn how to communicate. Like, finally you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Finally, you know, you start cooking dinner, and, and all of a sudden you're sick. It's like the, the enemy always is trying to break up and disrupt the momentum and the movement, just so you know. But when God shows up, everything is different. I mean, God showed up to Azusa Street, and people had to go there. One of, one of the things when God starts showing up is that people come. People come. And some people, they don't want what God is doing, so they leave. Like here, I'll tell you the truth. You will not find people here that stay in this church if the woman is not down for the kingdom. They'll leave. Because I don't stand for disorder and Jezebel can't speak here. She'll be put on notice. So they won't stay here. They'll go where they can tolerate Jezebel. They can live in sin. They can tolerate immorality. They can do that where they can be comfortable with their demons. Not here. Go somewhere else. We're looking, we're contending for fire. We want fire. Listen, I didn't get saved to play games in a double wide storefront church in the hood. I came for God to pour out his spirit and send people into all the world. Yes. That's it. And all the world is right here. We're almost done. God bless Sister Monica for these, these artworks that she did. I love this one. It's my favorite one right here. Sanctification makes us pure in heart. You know the greatest thing that you can have is a pure heart? 
Because if you have a pure heart, you can see God. If you have a pure heart, you can see you can see the best in people. You, you can see who someone is becoming. It doesn't mean you don't see what's wrong, by the way. Paul said, I pray that your love would abound more and more in all knowledge and discernment. I'm born again. I wasn't born yesterday. I may see the good in you, but I still know you're crazy and evil still. But I see that there's potential there. So we're going to. Some people are, 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 are worth it. And some people are worth it, but they're not ready for it. So, you know, you have to just let them uh, destroy their life until they're done with that. No, it's really true. You know how we are. We're crazy, especially Christians who know better. We can be really. All right. Now, love and truth is the answer. Accusations come from Satan. So you can't be just accusing someone of something without any proof. It's actually sinful to bring railing accusations against an elder without proof. And things need to be established under two or three witnesses. So, so, so you know, this is, this is an important precedent. Um, accusations are from Satan. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He will always make up reasons why something is wrong, why something is wrong with it. What, what, what. He'll always bring up that. He puts thoughts in people's mind. You know, crazy stuff. Crazy. I can say things, but I'm going I'm to hold my tongue. I, I, you know, but anyway, uh, accusing someone of being prejudiced isn't wise. That, that's the thing now. If you don't disagree with me, they go, you're racist, man. <laughs> oh, I'm racist? Why? Because I told you you're wrong? Because I said what you believe is not true? That's why I'm racist now? That happened to me in, when Obama was president. I spoke against him. And they're like, oh, you race, you're racist. I go, you want to come spend Haiti? You want to come to Christmas and spend Haiti with your people? Come, come with me to Haiti. I didn't hear anything after that. You know, a lot, people like to talk, but no action. No action. Anyway, uh, questions bring answers. Accusation brings offense. We have to learn to be good Question askers. You can always locate what is on someone's mind by the questions that they ask. Questions really locate us. My pastor taught me that language locates you, and I said that's great, and I got another one too to add to that. <laughs> questions locate you. Um, here's another one. If we are going to minister cross-culturally, we will have to sacrifice our preferences for kingdom purpose. Our preferences. Preferences are great, but they will die on the altar of purpose. Bless you. Because can I tell you something? Can I be honest with you? It doesn't matter what I want. It matters what does God want. Oh, I don't like this building. Oh, I don't like this place. You know, for years people told me, you got to get out of there. You got to get out of here. You can't stay here. And I'm telling you, I never believed a word anyone said. I never let that into my spirit because I always knew that if God would move, we could be 
in a cave with no mailing address, with nothing, and, and God will do it. I'm not interested in man doing it. I'm not interested in a slick program. I'm telling you, with anything and with everything, I want to see God move in power. That's what I want. People are like, what do you want here? That. Because everything else that I want is on the other side of that. So instead of chasing all of that, I'm going to chase him. And then that will chase me. You know, so anyway, I know that today was a lot. It was a, not too bad of a hostage, but a hostage nevertheless. And I never even turned my clock on. <laughs> uh, I don't trust that thing. That thing is not correct. That thing is five minutes. Sarah probably said that that way for me. <laughs> now I'm just playing. But, but you know, in closing, here's what I think is important for us. We have to have a spirit of compassion to hear people's pain and to hear people's story and to love people well and to weep with those who weep, to rejoice with those who rejoice, to be present with people in their pain, to be present with people in their, in their breakthrough, to, to, to celebrate people. You know, that's a big, you know, that that's a real part of kingdom life is celebrating with people. Like when you get your first kid or you get your first, I don't know what it is that you want that matters to you, but like, like legitimately celebrating with and for people instead of being suspicious about people. The world is suspicious. The world is like, why that? That spirit has no place here. You know, like people can get suspicious about me. Nobody cared about me for five years when I barely got paid. Nobody cared. I, in fact, only one person, and it's Brett, ever asked me, are you okay? Do you know that in seven years of my wife doing virtually everything for free, only one person asked, yo, does she even get paid? One person. So then people see you're blessed and they're looking at you and they go, what shoes are those? What is this? What is that? Oh yeah, what that is is God's faithfulness and me not tapping out when I wanted to tap out every week. Oh, you, you, you know, you're moving freely. Yeah, we're moving freely. Very freely. By the favor and the grace of God. By God's grace, not our strength. But guess what? People, people see a shine they don't see a struggle. They don't know the things that you never said to anyone, that you never told anyone, that you never complained about. They just see this. They go, oh. And guess what? I'm going to tell you something. Me, I don't care because I don't live from people's opinion. I don't live from my own opinion. I live to please God. I don't, I don't, like you cannot like me, like me, feel me, not feel me. I don't really care about that. What I care about is that we are declaring and living for the truth. That, that what I'm saying to you today, that if Jesus was sitting here, let's say Jesus was sitting here, I can look at him with a clear conscience and say, yeah, I didn't, I'm, not, I'm not here poisoning your people. I'm telling them the truth. This is, I have not shunned to declare, like Paul says in Acts, I have not shunned to declare unto you the full counsel of God. I'm telling you what it is, and I can sleep at night. 
Because I'm not withholding things so that people will like me or so that we can grow or finances or this or that. I just want to see the kingdom of God come with power. Because when that happens, everything changes. People naturally emerge into who they're supposed to be. They naturally find their place. They naturally find expression. They don't have to fight. It's not competition. It's not self-promotion. They naturally shift into place when God comes and sets order. Think of the, the, the people that are here, bless you. Think of the people that are here that are, that are becoming who God called them to be. We're going to benefit off of that. We're going to, not me, we are going to benefit when, when you step into your purpose, when you become willing to serve, other people are benefited by that. And we have to be able to learn how to serve people and to show up where people are. And especially the other. Who's the other? The other is someone that doesn't look like you or vote like you or sound like you. And we have to be able to show up for people in love and in truth and be solid. That's very important. Let's pray. Lord, you know, we are so grateful. Lord, we are, we are so grateful and we are forever indebted because of the great price that Jesus paid for us. Your dream, your dream is people redeemed, blood bought and blood washed out of every tribe, tongue, kindred and nation. And Lord, we want to live for your dream. We want to live for your dream, Lord. Make us one as you are one so that you can flow through us and we can flow in you and your kingdom can come with power. And Lord, we just pray that in our generation uh, and in, in this church and ministry and in the places that you are sending us and in the businesses we're creating and the homes we're creating, that we would create a place of love with no pretense, love with no prejudice, love with no fear, Love with no strings attached. Just pure love, pure truth, so that we could be your witnesses. God, I pray as the team goes out today that you would fill us with power and grace, Lord, for the people that we're going to minister to. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, I love you. Next week we have a special guest. You guys know how to give. You're faithful and all that, most of you. <laughs> Anyway, no swag. I won't say I start looking around at people. No, I'm just blessed with you. So, so there's that. Um, and uh, the deacon is, is running Wednesday night. The Lees are running uh, Tuesday night. So everything is on. So it's, so it's like everything is on and moving. And God bless you. We love you. Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church podcast. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv invite.